Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I'm Rosemary Coates with the Reshoring Institute, and uh, today I'm very honored to have a guest uh, that's going to talk to us about a new development in Eagle Pass, uh, Piedras Negras, Mexico, and the U.S. side, um, which is very significant. Um, at the Reshoring Institute, we are finding a lot of the clients that we're working with are bringing their manufacturing out of China. But because it has the high labor content, they're interested in going to Mexico. So we have clients that are interested in reshoring, actually moving production back to the U.S., but also uh, those that are interested in moving their production to Mexico. And uh, this is uh, a big trend. Um, there's a lot of activity along the U.S.-Mexican border um, and I think we need to continue to talk about it, not only with respect to the development there, but how it's going to affect the transportation industry. So let's get started. Uh, today, my guest is Ruben Garibay, uh, who is the executive chairman of a company called Puerto Verde. Hi, Ruben. How are you doing today? Hi, Rosemary. I am doing well. Thank you for, for having me, and I uh, appreciate the invitation. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about today, so let's get started. How did you get interested in this particular boarding, border crossing as an investment opportunity? Well, actually, it started as a just a farm and ranching operation, and I came to find out very quickly that uh, the city of uh, Piedras Negras had actually identified one of my farms as a potential crossing. And uh, I started really looking into it and got interested in the fact that it actually did make sense. It had some feasibility. So uh, we started uh, working with uh, the local uh, county and, and with government officials, and they too thought it was a great idea. So that's how it kind of got underway. Okay. Well, I, I spent the last week in uh, Laredo and uh, was as astonished, actually, um, you know, as much work as we've done in Mexico and uh, and helping clients find new manufacturing locations, I had no idea about the volume. I mean, it was just jaw-dropping how much freight is moving across the border. And they told us uh, 14,000 trucks per day. And I had to ask two or three times if that was a real number. I just, I couldn't believe it. Um, but it, for sure, it's 14,000 uh, trucks that are crossing um, that particular port per day. And Laredo's the biggest land port in the U.S. But the amount of growth that's going on in Mexico um, is going to be suffocating for even that port that's very automated and fast and so forth over the next few years. So Piedras Negras is, and Eagle Pass 
is fairly close to Laredo. Is that right? That's correct. It is actually part of the Laredo sector. Uh, so yes, it is very close. And uh, TechStot has actually identified it as the most viable alternative to the congestion that Laredo has. That's one of the reasons why both the uh, uh, the governor of Texas, TechStot commissioner, as well as everybody who's involved in a ports to plane initiative, which is the the building construction of Interstate 27, which actually starts in Eagle Pass uh, and Del Rio. So those two particular ports are the ports to planes. Uh, that's, that's where it originates. So Mexico is also working on expanding 57. So there's there's a huge effort on both the Mexican side and the U.S. side to create an, an alternative or artery to uh, getting traffic and in, in, uh, our supply chain into the United States. So so instead of waiting, uh, wait time coming across the border in places like Laredo, and of course the other ports are also very busy, Brownsville and uh, others, El Paso, um, <clears throat> instead of waiting four or five hours idling in their truck to come across the border, they could potentially go to uh, Piedras Negras or Eagle Pass, depending on which way they're going, and cross the border faster. Is that right? Absolutely. Actually, um, you know, just the infrastructure is not totally there yet. I mean, it's, it's an active border crossing. It's actually ranks number eight as a uh, active border crossing today and has been growing uh, year over year at that same rate at 8%. So it is actually very, very viable. Uh, and with the uh, new additions to both the interstates that uh, Texas is doing and the uh, new port of entry that we're proposing, absolutely, it's going to be a much faster uh, way of crossing uh, and getting to the U.S. because there's actually a shorter distance to most uh, U.S. cities. Okay. All right. And so will the new 27 hook into uh, Highway 35, which is the big artery going north out of um, out of Laredo? No, it's actually well, running it? parallel. Yeah, it actually runs oh, okay. parallel. It, it'll, it'll actually end up uh, passing the uh, uh, Permian Basin heading up towards uh, Lubbock. Uh, however, in Eagle Pass, there is one artery, which is uh, interstate, I'm sorry, US 57 which does connect at the mile marker 122 onto I-35. Um, as you may also know, uh, 1604 right now is undergoing a huge expansion. That's the, uh, the loop that goes around San Antonio. So that'll also uh, have a, a way of getting some of this uh, commercial traffic out and over to either Interstate 10 East or Interstate uh, 10 West. Or if you do have to continue on 35, you could, but you know, eventually 27 will be that alternative route. Okay. So I, I was at Eagle Pass about 20 years ago um, for a client that was interested in uh, moving coal across the border. And um, we, we stood on the bridge. You know, we had, we had a, a look at what was going on there. It was pretty small and old and rickety. Um, and the other big problem was all those trucks coming across the border had to go through neighborhoods in Eagle Pass. Um, uh, the potential Puerto Verde um, crossing is none of that, right? I mean, I, I understand. Tell us a little bit about it. I understand it's really high tech and um, very efficient and uh, doesn't go through any neighborhoods. So really different. It is actually, it's, uh, it's something that's actually been in the works for over a decade. Uh, on the Mexican side, an area was identified that uh, goes around uh, the city of Piedras Negras on the north side. And this uh, area of this road called Libre Miente Norte today actually exists. It used to be an old uh, 
Cole Hall Road that uh, literally takes both uh, commercial and will potentially also take out rail traffic outside of the city. Now, what's really nice about the, this uh, selection is, uh, or the site rather, is that it's actually from the very beginning going to be designed in a way where the city can continue to grow past it without it ever uh, uh, creating an ad grade crossing, which is you know where trains and automobiles are using the same exact crossing. So it is really huge uh, because from a uh, social responsibility side, it actually also protects you know the residents, keeps the trains moving. A train that's not idling and moving is a safe train. It doesn't interfere with the, the actual uh, residential traffic or any of the neighborhoods at all. Ah, very interesting. So, so let's take a step back for a minute um, and and talk about the overall situation. So we have an understanding of what it what it actually looks like. So today's environment: Piedras Negras and Eagle Pass. There's one bridge, right? And uh, that bridge, that bridge is kind of is very constrained. I think only maybe one or two lanes going each direction. Very slow, very little automation. It's really um, not much of a an important crossing at the moment because of the constraints like that. Um, and with the growth of all all these companies that are coming out of China and taking advantage of low cost labor and low cost operations in Mexico, and in Mexico's desire to improve their own uh, manufacturing capability, their own industrial ability creates this giant traffic jam. So we've got a lot of products moving across the border both ways. We've got a relatively small pinch point crossing in Eagle Pass. Um, and now this planned development, uh, Puerto Verde, uh, is uh, not only the bridge crossing for trucks, but it's also rail crossing and development on both sides of the border. Is that correct? Or at least on the Eagle Pass side? That is correct. It is a uh, it's a complete complex. It's actually, um, uh, you know, we we what we've done is we work with the state. We work with uh, several uh, stakeholders, and have really been bouncing ideas back and forth on what are the lessons learned. And, and you know, Laredo is a perfect example. Laredo, I don't think uh, 20, 25 years ago had an idea how much potential they actually had, and it's been phenomenal. Um, I, I'm I'm really happy for, for for Laredo. I used to live in Laredo. Uh, but there are a lot of lessons learned, just like there's been the great things that the Laredo has done. There's also some things that they could have done better if they had any idea. It's not that they didn't want to. It's just that really nobody really planned for this tremendous amount of growth. So today we've got two phenomena going on. We've got the, uh, the uh, nearshoring and the reshoring, and we have a lack of infrastructure in Mexico. So our, our project is actually capitalizing on the fact that we're very close to the border. We've got power, which is something that's very uh, short uh, and, and coming in, in Mexico right now in development. And we've also got water. Um, we're coupling that up with a uh, very modern uh, design as far as support is concerned, because we're actually, since we're privately funded, we're actually able to do some things that uh, you know a municipality probably couldn't do because they got to follow certain criteria since they're getting federal funds. In our particular case, uh, although CVP will be uh, manning and operating all the inspections, we are radically designing the the, uh, the ports as, as uh, they're known today. So we're actually going to be able to put all the technology ahead of the first uh, uh, primary booth, the first uh, booth where an inspector actually uh, meets a, a truck driver in the cargo. 
uh, so they can actually make decisions based on data instead of just uh, guessing or randomly selecting inspections, which, you know, by the way, I think everybody knows that less than 17% of all cargo right now is actually screened. Um, so uh, that uh, lends itself to a lot of uh, the ability to, con- you know, to have contraband in, in cargo, which, you know, we plan to uh, alleviate that by uh, inspecting 100% of all cargo, both in trucks and in rail. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. How, how will that work though? Uh, so inspection is great, uh, but it will certainly slow things down unless it's uh, automated in some way. I understand there's a lot of automation involved with the potential bridge crossing also, not not just like in Laredo, we saw uh, the trucks being scanned. They took about 15 seconds, I think, to, to be scanned. So there's advanced information that's provided um, to customs um, on both sides of the border about what's coming. And then when the truck uh, nears that scanning point, that information is matched with the truck identification and also the driver uh, face facial recognition. Uh, and then uh, in 14 seconds, all that information is matched up and the truck is scanned, weighed, and moved on its way um, in general. I mean, obviously there's secondary inspections if there's problem or whatever, but by and large, most of the trucks move. And like you said, you know, 80% of them at least move very swiftly across the border. So the more automation that's implemented, I think is the is the key um, because in in this way, you know, scanning the cargo so that you know if there's contraband or if there's advanced information that maybe there's contraband coming in one direction, um, it can be stopped. More importantly, though, you know, when you look at the big picture, it's simply moving that cargo across the border. Um, to continue to support trade that's so important, so important for the development in both Mexico and and providing support for U.S. manufacturers as well. So, um, you know, to tell us a little bit more about the technology that's proposed and, you know, what will it look like when a, a truck is approaching the border? Right. Well, it's actually, it's uh, not only the technology, but there's also a, a, a change in practice, the way we're going to be doing things. So our, our technology partner is a company uh, called uh, uh, Decision Sciences. They have a product called uh, Discovery. It's a non-intrusive inspection uh, system that uh, actually expels no radiation. So it's got no ionizing radiation. So it's completely safe uh, to uh, both truckers, the agents, uh, and any type of, uh, of, uh, cargo, whether it be, uh, uh, produce or, uh, automotive. 
So that's very important because today that's one of the areas that uh, leaves a lot to be desired. The, the, the gamma ray systems right now are require exclusion areas. Uh, the agents can only have a limited exposure to them. So that in and of itself, that older technology uh, creates the, the gaps of, of being able to go 100%. So uh, for one, that's the, uh, the way we're starting, 100% with this, uh, with this partner. So we're able to inspect 100% of the trucks. You said it's very, very quickly. What actually takes the longest is uh, educating the images. So if you've got uh, shippers that like an automotive that can pre-register their cargo, very similar to how we uh, uh, register ourselves at airports using clear or uh, um, the, uh, TSA pre-check, well, we can get an, an image uh, recorded of a shipper's uh, configuration and the uh, artificial intelligence system is only looking for anomalies. There's no anomalies between the cargo, the truck driver, uh, which is also using facial recognition. Um, then we're pretty much ready to go. I mean, th that driver can actually go through. And the intent is actually to be able to take that and leverage that technology and start operating at a 24-7, especially with commodities that we're able to configure load after load in the exact same way. Oh, so for example, I understand automotive is the biggest uh, uh, in industrial sector moving across the border. So if you already know the weight and, and configuration of those crates that are being moved across the border for automotive, it's the same thing that moves every day, for example, um, then it should be no brainer. You can scan it and move it very quickly, right? Very quickly. And that's the idea. You know, the agents really should be focused on the the uh, shipments that are not that are irregular, but a, a regular shipper. Let's you know uh, throw some you know uh, some of the OEs out there. Uh, th these folks are shipping the exact same product over and over while they're running a, a specific model. So they actually should be able to qualify and should be extended that because all those OEs have spent thousands, if not millions, in, in security. You know, so this is a way of kind of giving them something in return for their investment. And making sure that they actually are uh, moving their products as swiftly as possible to, to keep their costs down and keep that supply chain moving, which also makes room for those commodities that are irregular, such as produce, to have a little more time, ample time to get inspected and also be moved a lot quicker. Okay. So what what are the other commodities, big commodities that are moving across the border besides automotive? What else is coming? Well, today it's mainly it's mainly automotive. I mean, we do have some some mining. Uh, products, but you know, with the uh, the new port, the proposal is actually we're going to be able to do uh, heavy haul. We have a, a specific link for them. We're actually within the foreign trade zone. We're also going to be able to bring in those uh, double trucks that operate in Mexico, those uh, double forties within the foreign trade zone, uh, at least, so that way we can also bring in double the cargo with uh, just one truck, also lowering our, our carbon footprint. Doing you know the responsible thing. But uh, as far as commodities, I mean, the, the uh, industrial park is actually uh, very, could be very inviting potentially to uh, chip manufacturers because we've got uh, plenty of water, plenty of power, uh, plenty of labor. Uh, so uh, yeah, we're actually in, in, the, in the market right now for a couple of big OEs and, and big manufacturers because we actually do have the space. I mean, it is 20,000 acres on uh, between both sides that we can develop. That's terrific, and particularly water. I understand that water, well, it's obviously key to a lot of manufacturing operations, but it is also going to be a huge issue going forward with uh, all the climate change and 
uh, potential droughts and that sort of thing. Water is essential uh, to keep manufacturing going. So with your uh, uh, ability, there's it's water from the river as well as from the lake, right? So there's quite a bit uh, yes. of water. I mean, we, we do have today, we have about 400,000 uh, liters uh, of annual uh, capability uh, on potable water. But I think what's most important, and, and, and I think uh, I may have not have shared with you, uh, this with you earlier, but we actually have 700,000 liters of uh, industrial water, which has you know been recycled, been treated uh, either by the uh, city of Piedras Negras or the city of Nava, uh, Oila, and including the power plant as well. And we're actually in talks with another manufacturer that expels quite a bit also. That, that could actually push us to a little bit over a million and a half. Now, this is treated wow. water. I mean, this is water that's actually treated to go back to the uh, Rio Grande. Uh, so it, it's not uh, toxic. It's been cleaned. It's been filtered, uh, but could serve a fantastic industrial purpose and and, uh, and reduce uh, that life and actually not put a strain and load on the potable water systems in the area as well. It's fantastic. It just sounds like such an ideal um, kind of project to facilitate this cross-border trade that we see is coming already uh, and it's going to move quite fast. So um, the pinch points, if we, if we solve the technology issue, uh, we help trucks so they don't get backed up and idling. By the way, uh, when a truck idles, it's do it, uh, putting a lot of pollution in the air as well, right? I mean, that, that's a yeah. big problem. Yeah. It is. I mean, just idling is about a gallon to a gallon and a half, depending on the manufacturer. But what people don't realize is that when you're actually rolling slowly and crawling on a bridge, you're actually burning about three gallons an hour. Because every time you, you crawl, you know, one position up, you're having to accelerate a little bit uh, just to move a, a, f- a few feet forward. So, it, yeah, you'll actually burn a heck of a lot more. So if you're talking four-hour wait time on, on average. That's, uh, you know, you're already looking at about anywhere between 12 to 15 gallons. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So it's a significant amount. To be waiting and burning. Yeah, so using fuel, you know, which is expensive, as well as polluting the air, all these are are good reasons to make those trucks move across the border fast and uh, reduce that idling time. I'm sure the the truckers are going to appreciate that too. Uh, They want to move, not necessarily stand in line for hours and hours, like they're doing all along the border right now. So improving that is really important. But the other pinch point, so if we resolve the technology, we uh, expand the bridges, we make uh, the infrastructure available, now we got a problem with customs, right? <laughs> so understand that the uh, there was some um, rail embargo uh, last week or a couple weeks ago uh, because there weren't enough customs agents uh, available. They had to move them over to the uh, immigration problem and uh, therefore, the cargo couldn't move across the border. And if we don't solve both of those problems, 
it doesn't matter how many lanes we have open. If we don't have customs agents to process them, that's going to be another problem that needs to be addressed. Uh, so that means the U.S. government has to get involved as well as the Mexican government on their side. Um, it means funding. It means, you know, Congress again, and who knows what's going to happen in Congress. Pretty, pretty scary. Um, what's the immigration uh, situation like in uh, in Eagle Pass? Well, I, I think you've been seeing the news, uh, like just about everybody else has. It's it's real, but it's been happening for a while. It's just really gotten to levels that even surprise the locals because we have seen a significant amount of traffic in the last uh, year. Uh, but uh, you know, you asked how, how would this affect the the, the new port design? Because we're so leveraged on technology by design, uh, we were actually, we calculated we can actually grow to about 14,000 processes like Laredo with the current amount of people that are actually processing about 1,500 loads a day. So, because again, we're leveraging technology significantly where AI is actually doing a lot of the adjudication. So, although we wouldn't want our agents to be moved out of, of the area, we could still keep the, the supply chain both safe and moving uh, pretty quickly, unlike today, because today's uh, port in Eagle Pass is actually shared with uh, uh, the uh, uh, private, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, POVs, which is a, a person-occupied vehicle, and the pedestrian bridge. So that's really been the the issue there, that because that whole sector is actually in, or that bridge is actually being shared, that's the root of the, of the problem. But, uh, you know, it's a, by moving it outside and just making it strictly commercial, we wouldn't have that issue because there wouldn't be any immigration well, areas uh, designated. Yeah, so it, when we were in Laredo, we saw the various bridges, and some of them are for pedestrian crossing or uh, for automobiles, and then two of them are strictly commercial, so no, no pedestrians. And the same is true in Otay Mesa, um, near San Diego, where it's strictly a commercial crossing as well, um, which should right. speed up the processing. You don't have to worry about pedestrians in your way or, uh, you know, resources. They're, the customs resources are going to be paying attention to the commercial side of things and making sure that that, that, um, that flows. So, so tell me, where are you at in terms of the development? So, you know, it's a big idea. Sounds fantastic. Um, really going to relieve a lot of issues, not only current issues, but those uh, in the future as we see more growth along the border. So how far along are you in uh, this development? Is there any construction that started yet or, you know, what's going on with it? What's the current situation? Yeah, um, great question. And thank you for asking. So this is a great opportunity to pitch where, where we're at today. So we've actually got about 238 acres already being developed. Utilities are actually being installed today. Uh, we've got all our permits, both environmental, construction, uh, quite a bit advanced. And that's actually on the Mexican side, in, in Navacuahuila. Uh, I'd be more than glad to share that information, but you can also go to, online to our, our website, which is puertoverde.com, and you can see where we're at. So that particular uh, section right now already has 60 uh, megawatts of uh, available uh, power. And the 400 uh, liters of uh, 400,000 liters of uh, potable water and 700 liters of, uh, of uh, industrial water. So 
we, I mean, we're off to a great start already. That's on the Mexican side. On the U.S. side, we've already actually started also working in our area that's uh, between the uh, airport and the railway. Our spurs are actually active and already are, are working already. We've got a couple of commodities we're, we're transloading in that area as well. So we're well underway from uh, from zero. We've already started to, uh, you know, move in and leasing areas as well. So when will the Asho Bridge development start? Well, we're hoping that uh, with the uh, bills that were introduced both at the Senate and in Congress, that uh, we're going to be able to uh, uh, lean on the White House for our presidential permit as early as uh, January. So uh, they've got, according to the bills, they've got about 60 days to respond uh, to our application uh, with either an approval or a denial. And we're hoping with all the merits that we've got, you know, which are, are really lined up with this administration, that we actually should be able to get an approval uh, from them and uh, start moving forward on the uh, uh, NEPAs and, and the other studies. Now, we have already done a significant amount of the studies that are required, uh, such as environmental impact. I'm sorry, I'll take that back. That's, that's the one that's pending, but we already hired the, the consultants. But we have done the uh, economic impact studies, the feasibility studies, and the traffic studies which will be needed to do the, uh, the uh, NEPA, the Environmental Impact Study. Fantastic. So hopefully, maybe within a year or so, you might start construction on the bridge if all goes well and you get the sign off. Okay, that's terrific. I'm, I'm very excited for this opportunity. I think for you, um, obviously, it's a great business opportunity. But for um, when I'm looking at it from a reshoring perspective, uh, it's really important that we continue to to grow and to provide these kind of uh, high-tech automated results um, uh, for infrastructure building in order to facilitate this cross-border trade because I see it growing enormously over the next five to ten years. Um, you know, we have so many clients that are interested in getting out of China and trying to find another location to manufacture. <laughs> And uh, Mexico is an ideal situation because it's low cost and the proximity to market. And, you know, there's just a, a lot of reasons why Mexico is um, is uh, very interesting. And, you know, we'd love it if all the manufacturing came back to the U.S., but that's not possible because of the cost structure. And so Mexico is definitely a, a great alternative economically. Um, do you expect to get any money from the infrastructure bill? Um, will there be any money available to to build this or to fund customs or some other funding? Yeah, actually, we actually, since we're privately funded, we're not actually uh, dependent on it, nor are we seeking any uh, type of uh, funding from the uh, federal uh, infrastructure bill. Uh, the uh, customs group will actually be just pretty much changing addresses. So it's very cost neutral for the, the government uh, itself as far as personnel. There will be obviously some lease space uh, issues that, that will arise, but you know that's two, three years from now. And the fact that uh, the federal government has already invested in, in Interstate 27 as, as, a, as a funded project, uh, there's really no reason why they wouldn't fund the port that actually starts the ports of planes as, as just part of those investments. Um, but Rosemary, I would like to actually go back a little bit. You, you, you mentioned something about um, how close the proximity uh, to, to our market is, you know, and reshoring and also manufacturing on the U.S. side. One of the very unique things that we are actually offering as part of our binational uh, industrial park 
which is the, the park that's on both sides, that'll settle both sides of the, of the Rio Grande once the, the port is built, is that we will actually have uh, the ability to be very, very close to the market. So if you're looking at uh, similar markets like Juarez Market, although they're uh, you know pretty distant logistically, they've got a disadvantage as far as freight costs. We have a huge advantage. We're less than 100 miles. If, if you follow, uh, you know, your 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 listeners here in trucking, it's very common for you to do 100, 125 max of uh, deadhead miles to position your trucks. But there's many trucks that are coming into the San Antonio sector, um, the uh, Laredo sector. It's it's pretty easy to to move a truck from those areas to Eagle Pass and literally cross the the, the border immediately, pick up a load and and head northbound. Uh, which is a lot faster than servicing markets such as uh, Querétaro, uh, the Puebla, uh, San Luis. Those markets have become very imbalanced uh, because most of the uh, uh, supply chain is actually coming in through the ports on the Mexican side and it's not bringing in empty or, or preloaded uh, equipment and positioning them in those markets. So those markets, although the labor might be a little cheap, uh, the overall cost of, of, uh, of freight it actually does hit their ledgers as well. And the fact that we're so close to the border on the U.S. side with a market that uh, historically has been about 50% uh, below uh, the poverty levels, uh, it is it should be very difficult to get uh, $15 an hour uh, hands on the U.S. side to finish up the, uh, the labor that's needed for a USMCA uh, compliance. So we're actually going to be able to share both within the foreign trade zones on, on both sides of the border. Fantastic. Fantastic. I'm, I'm so excited about this whole idea and, and how um, you've come along and progressed. You've thought through all the issues and the ideas. Now we're just going to wait until it all happens and we'll have a big celebration when the bridge opens. Uh, thank you very much for being our guest today, Ruben. I really appreciate it. Can you uh, give the audience the website for Puerto Verde if anybody's interested in looking into it further? Absolutely, Rosemary. Again, thank you for, for having me. The uh, website is um, uh, Puerto, just like Puerto Vallarta. A lot of people know that name. And Verde, like the color, puertoverde.com. Uh, we look forward to having you guys uh, look into it and follow us also on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.